Good morning. My name is Taft Mitchell. Would you stand for the reading of the scripture? Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you, Taft. All right, good morning. Um, welcome back to those who are at high school camp. Um, yeah, what a great time. You know, I, I've been to a bunch of high school camps, led a bunch of high school camps. And this week, it struck me, I'm glad I'm not there. Wait, wait, I mean, I, I value it. I love it. I love high schoolers. But um, I, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm with you. I'm happy with that. Um, uh, let's see, a couple weeks, I think we have middle school camp coming up. We just had a, a team this morning leave for Ecuador to work with um, kids around the world. And, uh, and what they're doing is they're teaming with a local church in Ecuador in, in an impoverished community, and they're building a playground this week, um, first playground in that community. And so, um, anyway, be praying for them. And, you know, as they were talking and, you know, saying, hey, if, if you want to give, this is how you can do it, it, it just reminded me... Uh, I think it was about a month and a half ago, Kathy and I were with about 50 other lead pastors um, and couples um, having dinner in Portland and just talking about the last couple of years. And uh, I mean, what a bizarre last couple of years. And um, in a lot of ways, and one of the ways is the impact on, on churches throughout the community. And one pastor was sharing that he gets together once a month with 10, 10 other lead pastors in his area just to encourage each other in over... Um, the couple of years of COVID, eight of those pastors are no longer in ministry. And um, it was, you know, financial hardships, uh, just a vision within the church as everybody was angry and it spilled over into the church. Um, just some really tough deals. And, um, and so we need to be praying for each other in, our, in churches in our community as uh, we really seek to love each other and love God and love people around us, and uh, our many are going through really uh, uh, struggles. Um, and just want to thank you for those who, you know, are regular generous givers here at Rolling Hills. Um, and now we have inflation, and you know, and the market's going. Pfft. And uh, I mean, it's just, um, man, just thank you for your for your giving because it's having an impact, and each dollar counts. And so, thank you for that. Um, we're, we're in the book of Acts, and 
Um, man, it's just a fun study. Encourage you if you if you're not reading anything regularly as far as the Bible, just you know take a chapter a day and uh, start reading through Acts, and it's really the birth of the church, the launch of the church, and we've seen how the Holy Spirit has done something really wonderful and unique, and the church has expanded, and people are placing their faith in Jesus, and then they're taking care of each other, and they're growing, but now they're also facing persecution, and last week we looked at the first martyr and the events around that, and that's with uh, Stephen, and... and um, and really how the church gathered was helping each other grow and taking care of each other, but they kind of were tending to be almost a holy huddle, you know, just kind of like an insulated people, hey, we're safe here, and they, and they got their eye off the ball of sharing the good news with everybody. And so God allowed persecution to kind of get them refocused on, hey, we need to get going, and they got going because they're running for their lives. Um, and so now, it's where are they going? And, and really, 8 through 10, chapters 8 through 10 are just really fascinating because as the Holy Spirit guides people, who does he guide them to? And today, that's one of the things we're going to look at. You know, the Word of God is just always, it, it, it just always amazes me. Sometimes it shocks me. And uh, again, this is some chapters where it's like, wow, Lord, you are very intentional in how you guide us and lead us. And we need that. We need that. So um, verse, chapter 8, verse 4, we'll start there. We'll jump to 26, spend most of our time in 26 to 40. But as the church scattered, I want you just to catch this. Verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And so they were scattered because they're running from persecution, but they were focused on the mission. All right? And so they, it, it wasn't, okay, we're running for our lives we can worry about following God later. It was, no, no, we, we, are, we have a renewed passion to focus on what God's asked us to do, and that basically is to let people know that there's a God who loves them, is pursuing them, and has made a way for them to be made right with God and in a right, in a right relationship with him. So they're preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And so... Uh, we can just read right past it. Okay, he went to a city. It's called Samaria. That's cool. But the Samaritans weren't people that Jews went to hang out with. They, they were people that Jews went to, to attack because they had 550 years of animosity. If, if, just to give you a brief, a brief um, overview of the history here, um, the nation of Israel ended up having kind of a civil war and broke up into two nations, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel. They, they just kind of abandoned the, their following of God pretty quickly. And, um, and so God allowed his protection to be lifted from them. And in the year 722 BC, they were uh, overwhelmed and defeated by the Assyrians and um, many of them were killed, some of them were taken off as slaves, and a few of them were left behind. Then some people from Assyria also filled that northern kingdom, and so you had some, some Jews that were remaining there from the northern kingdom with these new Assyrians, and they intermingled, and the Jews who were not really connected to following Yahweh in the first place just um, intermarried, and they started following um, pagan gods, and... Um, and started having kids, and those kids were called Samaritans. 
Okay. Now, the southern kingdom, which was called Judah, 120 years later, they were defeated by the Babylonians. And most of them were taken off into captivity. Now, fast forward another 70 years, and a remnant, about 43,000 people who were Jews, um, were allowed to leave Babylon and come back and occupy Jerusalem. And, they, and their thought was, hey, let, let's get back to building a kingdom that's honoring God. And so they rebuilt the walls, and that's Nehemiah did that. And they rebuilt the temple, and they, stole, and, and they got back to worshiping God at the temple, and that was Ezra who did that. All along, they were being undermined and attacked and killed um, by the Samaritans as they were trying to, to reestablish themselves. And so this deep-seated hatred grew between the Samaritans and the Jews, and it grew more and more and more for over 500 years until now the time of Christ. And now as the word of God is going out, who does the Holy Spirit send followers of Jesus to? Samaritans. I mean, their most hated group of people on earth. And Holy Spirit says, no, no, I love them. I want the good news to go to them. And so he sends them to Samaria, the most disrespected enemy. And so just out of the gate, as, as we start looking at this, it just challenges us. It challenges our prejudices. I mean, who in your life did you grow up not you weren't supposed to like? I mean, who in your life did, did you, is the group of people that you have the most disdain for? You know, you, you grew up with a prejudice for whatever reason, and, and um, this group of people are the people who you have a hard time even engaging with or looking at or thinking about. And then the question is, if you've become a follower of Jesus, how is that beginning to overcome that prejudice? Because God loves all people, and our mission is to extend that love to all people so that they know that they're loved and pursued by God. And so the gospel bridges divides, bridges man-made divides, even ones that are in your mind justified. Did the Jews, were they justified? For being mad at the Samaritans? Yeah. I mean, they were trying to undermine their worship of God. They were killing them. They were doing everything to stop them. So they had reason. And yet God says, one of the first peoples I'm going to send you to are the Samaritans. Now, verse 20, let's jump to 27. And this is Philip now, and he is being sent by God to uh, the Gaza, okay, which today you hear about the Gaza Strip. That's on the kind of the southwest coast of Israel. It's a little strip of land. It's one of the most disputed, violent places in all of Israel. It's Palestinian run, and the most radical Palestinians are living there. And, um, and a lot of times when you're hearing problems, it's coming from that area. And God is sending Philip to a road going to Gaza. It's in the desert area where he, there's an Ethiopian eunuch who's traveling back home. And 27 says, then he rose and went, that's Philip. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to, to Jerusalem to worship. And so here's somebody that God is sending Philip to that isn't an enemy, 
but it's nothing like Philip. I mean, here's a person who lives far away from you, is a different race, has a different ethnicity, has grown up in a, in a different culture and in ways that you can't relate to, and has altered his sexuality. And so, Philip, I'm sending you to him. And I love this for a lot of reasons. One of it is because Philip's not up speaking to thousands of people. But the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, go after him one person at a time. One person at a time. And Philip, Philip does it. Now, it says he was a eunuch. And so, um, yeah, the people did that. Um, and this is why. Is, is if you wanted to be, if you aspired to be a, a, a person of influence and have power and authority in some countries, and you weren't connected to the royal family line, then the way for you to get the most influence and authority is to serve the royal family. And many of those were required to be castrated because then they could be more trustworthy. And so that was the thinking. And so here is a man who wanted to be, um, wanted to be influential, wanted to have power, wanted to serve the royal family, and so he made a, a difficult decision in order to do that. And so that's who Philip was sent to. And it says that he was, um, was in charge of all her treasure. That means he was, the, he was the CFO of the country. He was, one of the, he was a very, very powerful and influential man who just came back from worshiping in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Now, how would that be for this black eunuch uh, amongst all these Jews who were there to worship. Well, I tell you what it would be. It's, he would have been segregated. On the Temple Mount, when you went to worship, there was very few people, I mean, the very few chief priests that were ever allowed to go into the temple. And then there was a priest's courtyard and some of the, some of, um, the Jewish uh, followers of God were allowed in that who were men, and then there was the courtyard of men, and then there was the courtyard of Jewish women, and then there was the courtyard of the Gentiles, and in Deuteronomy, believe it or not, there was an area for eunuchs. And so, it was segregated. It was, uh, yeah, you know, some of you are allowed to get closer to God, but not too close. And so here it was. They were following Mosaic law, all right, in how they worshiped on the temple. Mosaic law can be one of those things, if you're in the Old Testament and you're, you're reading through Mosaic law, you can be scratching your head going, what? I mean, because a lot of things are done that, that are interesting, but they, but they are done for, a, for spiritual significance. There's meaning behind them. And a lot of times we get lost in the detail and we miss the big picture meaning. And what... But the big picture meaning was this, with this was God is big and holy, and you're not. And so who are you to think that you can just waltz into the presence of God as you are? But there needs to be cleansing. You, you need to, to, to have to deal with your self-centered nature and your re, just your rebellious spirit against God. And, and how you'd mistreat other people. And that needs to be forgiven. You need to be made right if you're ever going to have a chance to be in God's presence. 
And that was the big picture going on there. And so that's what, what the Ethiopian eunuch experienced as he went and um, worshipped at the temple. Well, at least as close as he can get to it. So verse 29, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. Verse 30, So Philip ran to him. Why did he run to him? Well, because the chariot's moving. So Philip's just running alongside. Hey, how's it going? And so he had to want to do this. Okay, he had a, it's like the Spirit of God's telling you to go, and he went. And, and even though it may have looked a little awkward and embarrassing. And so he ran. And he heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And so here's the, one of the two ideas I'm pulling out of this passage today is Jesus' followers, when scattered, go to people and places outside their comfort zones. Okay, we gather. We're gathered right here. What, what, what's the purpose of gathering? It, it's for us to lift up the name of Jesus together, to, in, to encourage each other as followers of Jesus, to, to learn and to grow more and more about who God is and, and his character and allow that to sink into ourselves and so we understand more and more who he made us to be. And then we scatter. And when we scatter, what's our purpose? Is to live on mission. Is to think, love, and live like Jesus and reproduce that in the lives of others. And so we scatter to influence others. Now, that is not comfortable because we start thinking, okay, um, I mean, how often are you praying, God, would you open doors for me to, uh, to have an opportunity to go deeper in conversations with other people and have a chance to share my journey with you with others? I mean, how often are you praying that? Probably not a lot. Why? Because you don't want it. I mean, it's, it's scary. We're threatened by it. And we talk about it. I mean, I've heard this so many times. It's like, well, I really don't say, share my faith much because I know people who have been totally offended by Christians trying to jam Jesus down their throats, and I don't want to be that person. And so we, but what we're really doing is that, yeah, it's scary, it's uncomfortable, and so I don't want to trust God enough to step into those conversations. Um. D.L. Moody, who, who is a great Bible teacher, evangelist, uh, one time uh, had, had a woman come up to him and he says that, that she, at, she told him, you know, I, I really don't like the way that you share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus. And, and, and he said, you know, sometimes I don't like it either. You know, I, I, I just think I didn't do that very well. And so he says, tell me, how do you do it? And she said, well, I don't. And he goes, okay, well, then I like my way better. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, but we can be, in, we can be that, can't we? we? We can say, oh, this, these are the people, that, man, they just, I, they're so embarrassing. Christians can be so embarrassing. They can just really do stupid things and offend people. And so here, I want to give you insight, and it's, it's really a simple answer to that objection. And it's, here it is, right? Don't be a jerk. That's it. it. It's don't be, don't be one of those people. But look to share the love of Jesus with others and ask them questions and listen and care for them. And if they say, you know, I'm really not interested, then shut up. <laughs> I mean, just, just stop talking. But you know what? The Holy Spirit was working in the Ethiopian eunuch's heart. And he was seeking God. And Philip went, and he was open. 
and we assume God's no longer working in people's hearts. All the people God brings in my life, God's not working in any of their lives. We need to assume the opposite. Holy Spirit's at work. And, and people are longing for, for things in their lives that they know they're, they're missing on, even though they're chasing them. Things like peace, contentment, joy. And ultimately, God says those things are found when we're in relationship with God, because we were created to be in relationship with God. And those are those deepest needs are met. And so this is good news for everybody. And so who are we praying for? God, what, what are our opportunities? Am I willing to trust you to step into those? And step into those not thinking, I've got to get the gospel into, you know, out into this guy's lives, but, but, but going to him thinking, I love this person, and God, you want them to know you. And so I'm going to care enough to listen to them and ask them questions and go deeper. And when the opportunity comes, I'm going to step into that. And sometimes we think, yeah, we have to earn the right. And so after about five years of friendship, maybe I'll have the right. Well, how long did it take Philip? You know, seconds, because he wasn't able to run that long. <laughs> you know, he just said, hey, what you reading? You understand it? And that guy said, no. Could you explain it to me? Boom. Philip had asked a question, heard where the guy's at, He's seeking, and he got invited in. And so can we take initiative to step outside our comfort zone, listen to the Spirit of God, and trust the Spirit of God, and be sensitive to the Spirit of God, and be sensitive to the people that we're talking to? We can. And you'll get better at it as you practice following God. But we need to be intentional, and we need to step outside our comfort zones. Now, um, let's go on to verse 34. And the eunuch said to Philip, to whom I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or someone else? And so he's reading Isaiah, and he's going, okay, he's talking about somebody. Is he talking about himself? Who's he talking about? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And so Jesus' followers, when scattered, Go to share the good news of Jesus. I mean, he's our ultimate hope. He's our, our, the hope of all people. No matter what your ethnicity, your race, no matter if you've been sexually altered, no matter if uh, you, have my, you share my, my life experiences or not. But God loves all and wants all to know him. Now, um, Philip doesn't give our postmodern answer. When the guy is saying, hey, do you understand the book of Isaiah? Like many today would say, well, you tell me. What is it saying to you? You need to find the meaning deep within yourself. And it's like, uh, Philip doesn't even go there. He just says, yeah, I, I know this one. And so... Um, Here's the deal about the Bible, is it was written for a purpose. And how God led the writers to write the Bible is he had the reader in mind in what was the meaning 
of the writing that they wanted the reader to understand. And that's what we're going after when we pick up the Bible today. Not, what do I think this means to me, but what did the original writer mean for the original reader to understand about God and himself? himself? And that's the meaning we're going after, and that's the meaning that Philip shares with this guy and he says, I know that here, here's the truth about this. You know that person he's talking about is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus and, and what's happening right now points back to Jesus. And so let me tell you about Jesus. And he's reading Isaiah chapter 53 and here's some of, the, uh, some of that section that he was reading. Verse five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, but that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. All weak like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one of us, to his own way. And the Lord has laid the, on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And Philip's saying, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. You see, he's saying, um, Jesus is different. You know, and you look at these other pagan religions that are happening, maybe some of the religions in your own country, and all of them have something in common, is that they're, they're founded with great teachers or wise people or prophets, or, and they say, you want to get to God? Here's how you do it. You know, the um, Buddhists have their eightfold path. The Hindu Hinduism has its fivefold tenets and its ten disciplines. Islam has its five pillars. And that's the path, except for Christianity. In Christianity, Jesus says, You want to find God? I'm God. I'm not going to show you the way to God. You just come to me, and I'm going to make a way for you to be forgiven so that you can be invited into the presence of God the Father and actually be adopted as his child. You're never going to get to God except through me. And that's, that's a different message. He, he's saying all of us ultimately are excluded from God. I mean, there's none of us who can do the golden rule perfectly. Love your neighbor as yourself. We got this self-centered bent in us. There's none of us that can perfectly love and serve God. And so that needs to be dealt with. And he's saying there's no path to follow that can make yourself good enough to deserve to be in the presence of God. And so God says, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do this for you. As a lamb to slaughter, God says, I'm going to step up and I'm going to sacrifice myself, my son, God in the flesh, Jesus. So he can be excluded. And on the cross, Jesus was excluded from the presence of God the Father so that you and I can be included in the presence. On the cross, he went through great pain and suffering as he bore the weight of sin so that you and I wouldn't have to. He's our substitute. And that's what Philip was telling the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, I have a feeling 
doesn't say it, that Philip said, hey, by the way, open that scroll up a little farther. Did you read this section? Because in Isaiah 56, verses three to five, this is what it says. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. I mean, what, what did the unit gave up, sons and daughters? And that day, it wasn't an individualistic day. It was, a, it was a, a day of family. It was a day in which your identity was connected to your family. Do you have a good family name? You have a good identity. Bad family name? You can't overcome that. that that's what you're stuck with. The eunuchs gave up that. They gave up a legacy. They're not going to have sons and daughters. And here God's saying, hey, I got something better for you. Follow me. And you'll have an everlasting legacy. I mean, can you imagine what the eunuch, Ethiopian eunuch, must have been thinking? See, see Jesus is good news to all people. To all people. I came across a study this week that kind of reinforced that. Most religions are connected to a culture and a geography. That they, they work in this culture and this people, and they tend to stay there. Muslims, 96% um, of all Muslims live in the Middle East, in Africa and South Asia. Um, only 4% live outside those areas. 88% of Buddhists live in East Asia. 98% of Hindus live in South Asia. In Christianity, 25% of Christians live in um, Central and South America and the Caribbean. 22% live in Africa. 20% 20, 20 live in Europe. 15% are in Asia, and that's probably the most rapidly growing populations of Christians. 12% live in North America. You know, sometimes we think, oh, yeah, you know, Christianity, that's, that's the United States. We own that. Nah. No, I mean, people from other countries are sending missionaries here. You know, Jesus is good news for all people. And we need to get over the fact that we think, no, it's good news for me, but nobody else will understand it. Man, the Spirit of God is working in people's hearts. Let's step outside our comfort zones and look, look for opportunities to go deeper. Where, where are you at spiritually? Tell them about your spiritual journey. You know, where are you placing your hope in life? Is that working? Listen. And then probably they're going to say, what about you? Where are you at? And you're going to have a chance to share your story. Verse 36, this is an interesting verse. It, it says, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's, here's some water. What prevents me from being baptized? And uh, well, it, this indicates a couple of things. Number one is he's made a decision to follow Jesus. 
It's baptism is a mark that in my, in my life, I am no longer going this way, but I am turning and I'm, I am placing my trust in Jesus and I'm gonna follow him. And so he's in, he's made a decision, but he says, is there something that prevents me from getting baptized? And what's he thinking? I think he's thinking of just where he came from. I was segregated out. I mean, is like, am I a third class, second class follower of Jesus? I mean, how does this work? Can somebody like me be baptized? And Philip goes, let's go. And dunks him. He's baptized. No second class citizens in the family of God. Jesus is good news to all. And all of us go to him in a state of weakness. I need you. There's nothing I can do in and of myself that can make me good enough for you to be in your presence. So I'm trusting in you. And it's because we have that humble perspective, if we stay there, we can bridge these gaps, these man-made walls between peoples. That's the good news of Jesus. And he says now, um, verse 40, then Philip, when, when they came out of the water, the Holy Spirit, I mean, this is you know before Scotty beamed me up, but the Holy Spirit transported people, transported people a few times in the Bible. You know, God created the, the uh, laws of nature, and occasionally he broke them. And uh, this is one of those times. And Philip found himself in Azotus, or Azotus, and he passed through and he preached the gospel. Okay, Azotus. Different name in the Old Testament. In, in the Old Testament, um, it was Ashdod. Ashdod. You may be familiar with that name. That was the capital city of the Philistines. Philistines were the most hated nation of the nation of Israel. That they would war, that Philistines would kill um, the Israelites, would take them off into slavery. The most hated groups of people. And here when the church scatters, who does the church go to? Samaritans, hated enemy, Ethiopian eunuch, somebody totally unlike me, Ashdod, capital of the Philistines. There's, there, there's our mission. If we're a follower of Jesus, then we need to be about the mission of Jesus. Makes sense, doesn't it? And so who are you praying for? Who's God bringing into your life? What opportunities do you have to love people? And part of that loving is you're gonna share the good news of Jesus with them. You know, let's just bow our heads and, and, and uh, you know, maybe somebody, you have a picture of somebody in your brain and you're going, man, I don't know that much, Bill. Share what you know. Share what you're learning. Share what God's doing in your heart. Go deeper, have unhurried time, ask questions, listen. And as the Holy Spirit guides you, trust him, step outside your comfort zone. And maybe today is the day for you, like the Ethiopian eunuch, where you recognize I need to turn away from the path that I've been going and I need to place my hope and my dependence on Jesus. 
And I just encourage you, if that's where you're at, just talk to God about that right now and just tell him something like this. God, I, I, I recognize today that you have been pursuing me and I've been going on a path that um, hasn't led me to you. And so now I turn away from that path and I turn to you and I place my hope in you. I thank you for your love and your pursuit of me. And now make me the person that you created me to be and help me to know you more. Father, I pray for each person here. I pray, I, I just trust that your Holy Spirit is alive and well and working in the hearts of men and women. And so as we respond to you, as we begin praying for opportunities, as we step outside our comfort zone, Father, would you bless each person who does that, even this week? Would you allow them to see you at work and allow you to see, or allow them to see you at work through them? Thank you for your love, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you made that decision today, to place your hope in Jesus, then as soon as we're done here, I encourage you to go outside these doors. There's a middle station in the middle of the atrium, and uh, we have some information there for you that just reinforces the decision you made and tells you, like, what now? Is there steps I should be taking? What would those be? And so we just give you some really easy, practical steps that helps you begin um, growing in that relationship with God. And if you're online, you can go to our website and, um, Fill out the card for next steps, and we will get that information to you if you let us know that you made that decision today and how we can get that to you. Thank you very much for uh, being here today, and as part of our gathering, not only do we get to know more about God and um, be encouraged about how to live for him, but we also get to sing songs that just remind us of who God is and how great he, uh, great he is, and also reminds us who we are in light of that. And so let's continue to worship.